All right, all right, all right. Welcome to another edition of Shabbat Lounge. This is Matt. And Jake here. We're coming to you another Torah portion, week 21, the golden calf, and when you take, or how do you say this? Kitisa. 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 So we've got the golden calf, and right. so um, quite exciting. Yeah, this is an interesting portion here. A lot of stuff in here. I'd have to say this is one of my favorites. If I can have a favorite, I like this one. You can have a favorite. Okay. It's allowed. Well, I like this one. I think there's a lot of very important concepts that um, unlock a lot of things for you in right. this one. So Exodus thirty-one seventeen, uh, you've got this reference of the laver. And so what is a laver? It's like a washing pool. Mm-hmm. Basin. And so one of the qualities a of... washing pool. <laughs> washing pool. <laughs> what, that cement pond out there? <laughs> so... Um, it's a reflection, you know, well, one of the qualities of water, obviously, is you can see yourself and, uh, you know, ancient man didn't have mirrors the way we do and they could, you know, look at themselves in the water kind of thing. And so you better check yourself before you go approach the king. So it's kind of a, there's a little bit of that concept, I think here. So, yes, I agree. And then uh, moving on here, um, you know, it's important as we look at these that this is our story. This is not just a fairy tale of something that happens to distant people in a faraway land. This is us, and it's also our ancestors. It's our, it's who we are. It's part of our identity, right? And not something far away. Yeah, we tend to be disconnected from it, but mm-hmm. that's a. The wrong move. Yeah. Well, get, up, get in there, man. That's right. This is you. Yeah, come on, man. <laughs> and so it's definitely this uh, deal that, um, you know, that's a personal thing. And, um, yeah, it is easy to distance yourself from them. Or to go, well, I would have done it so differently. Like and, and by differently you mean better, right? Yes, yes. <laughs> yes. And unfortunately, might have might have been worse. Might have been worse. <laughs> we might make them look good, but 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 in essence, we are the same as them. We right. we're not any different today. Uh, we'd like to be, but um, our hearts or their hearts are so hard they made the stone look soft. And so, Jake, I don't know if you've ever done this, but have you ever tried to dig a hole in stony ground? Yes, I lived in Pennsylvania most of my so life. So what was that experience like when you dug? What did you need? If So so to dig a hole, obviously, you need a shovel. What else did you, you have need? You need a shovel and uh, a good temperament <laughs> and uh, your, your large pole of iron to start smashing up rocks as you're digging. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so simple holes and, you know, like if you're planting a tree or something small and material like that, I mean, you just get wore out sometimes making a little hole. And then mm-hmm. uh, you just sometimes have to you can get so tired, you just got to walk away and uh, come back on another day. And, you know, water doesn't help you. Yeah, uh, it's it doesn't just, soften it's just hard stones. work. Maybe a jackhammer. <laughs> so. But that is kind of a good representation of our hearts, unfortunately. It's like so many times we're that stony ground. Ezekiel eleven seventeen 17 through 20. Will you read this one? So tell them, this is what Adonai Yahweh says. I will bring them together from the nations and gather them from the countries where I've scattered them. 
I will give them the land of Israel. They will come and remove all the disgusting and detestable things that are there. I will give them a single purpose and put a new spirit in them. I will remove their stubborn hearts and give them obedient hearts. Then they will live by my laws and obey my rules. They will be my people and I will be their Elohim. So what does that sound like, Jake? Um, well, this whole uh, put a new spirit in them, gather them from where I've scattered them. Uh, it sounds like regathering of Israel. It sounds like new covenant talk. Mm-hmm. Um, and and what's one of the markers of new covenant talk? He says there's this new spirit in them, and it's more clear later in the uh, the next mm-hmm. uh, next couple of slides. But yeah, they will live by my laws and obey my rules. And you have this concept of of wedding language, and so. Uh, this particular Torah portion, there is wedding language with Mount Sinai and what happens there. And uh, he was trying to be their God and them be, his, you know, his people. And so that's all marriage language. And so right. once again, you've got the, you know, wedding language coming back. And then Ezekiel 36, 24 through 27. I will take you from the nations and gather you from every country. I will bring you back to your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you and make you clean instead of unclean. I will cleanse you from all your idols. I will give you a new heart, put a new spirit in you. I will remove your stubborn hearts and give you obedient hearts. I will put my Ruach in you. I will enable you to live by my laws and you will obey my rules. It sounds pretty clear. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of people forget that when in Hebrews 8, when he's talking about the new covenant, he's he's not saying something new. He's he's quoting the prophets. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It wasn't a new concept. It was there a long time before. Um, And then we go into Jeremiah, Jeremiah 31. I don't know, maybe it's 31. Mm, eh, I wonder, is it 31, 31? Yep. yep. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's right. The days are coming, declares Yahweh, when I will make a new promise to Israel and Judah. It will not be like the promise that I made to their ancestors when I took them by the hand and brought them out of Egypt. They rejected that promise, although I was a husband to them. Ding, ding, declares Yahweh. But this is the promise that I will make to Israel after those days, declares Yahweh. I will put my teachings inside them, and I will write those teachings in their hearts. I will be their Elohim, and they will be my people. Right. And if you so, if you listen to the, if you've been keeping up with the Torah portions, we talked about the being able to write on the heart, um, and you need a soft heart for that. Um and what is it? So this is exactly the quote from Hebrews 8, the, the New Covenant chapter, right? Um, this is where it comes from. Who's the promise made to? Israel and mm-hmm. Judah, okay? Mm-hmm. So you have to, if you're going to identify with getting the reward of the New Covenant, you have to identify as the, yeah. the person as the entity that gets... Yeah, it doesn't look like identifying to Gentile. Right, identifying Gentiles, here. yeah. yeah. Um, Don't want to be them. Right. So, and the whole idea is that he puts his teachings inside of us. He yeah. He writes it on our hearts. Yeah. 
if we have a heart that is willing. Right. And, and soft. then you have this husband talk also, yeah. reject a promise, although I was a husband to them, right? And we're going to find more about that here in just a minute. So, and then you've got uh, the Sabbath reference in 31, 12 through 17. Um, it tells us at least seven times here that the Sabbath is a sign and to guard it through how many generations? All their generations. Do you think that means like forever? Yeah. And yeah. Uh, if you, so if you look at our uh, Torah apologetics on uh, the Sabbath, it talks about, you know, we bring this up how in verse 16 and 17, it has three different stipulations of how this is forever throughout all your generations as a permanent sign to be kept forever. Mm. So it's, uh, he's pretty clear. It's pretty clear about what he's really saying there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we also talked in there about emphasis and that's another example where he's basically saying the same thing multiple times there. Right. That it's forever. Yes. So in, in this, you have some interesting concepts about, uh, I've heard people explain a connection between the temple and the garden, the tabernacle and a garden. And if you look at those structures and how they're laid out, you know, there are a lot of gardens that kind of take that, take that idea uh, of, um, you know, being organized and laid out. Um, and you have this concept of Adam, Israel, and Yeshua. And the, the temple in heaven is this garden model. Um, Moses is more like the tabernacle model. And then Yeshua is the second Adam. Uh, and, and the temple is going to be restored uh, back to that Eden kind of model. So, um, you know, Moses in this tabernacle model kind of happens because the people's hard hearts were so hard and they rejected him. You know, we just read that scripture where he says, you rejected me. Right. And, um, and he, he wanted, well, you know, in essence, Adam did too, but he wanted to get back to that kind of garden of Eden relationship. And the people said, no, we, we're not cool. Uh, Moses, we want a representation, you know, that we want representative government basically right. in a way and pushed it off on Moses because they couldn't handle the truth. Just right. like from the movie, you can't handle the truth. That's right. That's kind of how they work. Exactly. And just like in the movie, they only found a few good men. That's right. Yeah. Very good. <laughs> Didn't know we could jump there, but we did. <laughs> That's a long time ago. So, uh, but in the end, this temple restoration um, is going to be like the Eden coming back to that kind of relationship where we're going to be able to walk and talk with him in the cool of the evening, the way Adam and Eve did. And, um, uh, that's definitely something to look forward to. Um, and then, you know, how uh, this golden calf, when it happens, you know, the question we always have is, how does Aaron live after this? It's a strange question. And I guess Yahweh just wasn't done with him. No. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it is It is odd the way that happens. Just, oh, I just threw it. In there and it came out. Out like came this calf. Eh, amazing. What if we find out like that's really what happened? <laughs> that would that'd blow my mind. It would, yeah. Just because yeah. it it's, it's definitely a, a something that I don't understand, but uh, one day I'm sure it'll make sense. 
Well, and then in the passage, you also have um, this line in the sand moment where Moses literally draws a line in the sand and, and says, who is with me? But I think we, I got the cart before the horse a little bit. You mean so, before the golden calf? Yes, before the golden calf, because clearly some event happened here. Right. And it's the golden calf. And, uh, you know, they have the, you know, they, uh, it says in the King James in verse 32, they rose up to play. Um, which was translated by many to basically be like they had well, adult there was, fun. There was, yeah, adult there was fun in adult ways involving nakedness. Right. So, right, and of course, you know, we'd be remiss without bringing up, of course, the golden calf. They they used that as a representative of Yahweh. They said, "Let us have a feast to Yahweh," as they were going to this golden calf. Um, they were worshiping him in a way that he detested. They were worshiping him the way that they learned in the in Egypt, the old way, the old days, right? And so uh, uh, that's a it's a clear tie-in to Christmas, right? There's a one nineteen ministries I think does a really good uh, video on uh, tying the the golden calf to christmas and early on that's one of the things that i saw that i was like you know it just kind of blew my mind to look at it that way but it's so clearly that it's i'll worship him the way i want to and he knows what i mean yeah and that kind of thing and yeah he comes yeah. down and shows him he does not know what you mean because he's going to smite you for doing it <laughs> right. or they even use that line you know yeah. we did this for you we did right. this festival and made this this is for you right and um, he is not pleased. Not at all. Yeah, does not find it amusing. And um, so in the whole thing is basically um, we, we we also have a teaching where we do a thing about the Grinch. Right. And that goes, ties into this concept. Right. Go check that out. Uh, I think that's pretty interesting. Um, some tie-ins to, if you've never seen the cartoon show, The Grinch. And then, you know, to kind of tie it into this, this story. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of, a lot of similarities. Yep, there are. And then, and then, like we said, this passage is, it's just so rich because then you have the marriage stuff. And if you've never researched the marriage, I would suggest you go look at Michael Oman and the things that he's done. And we interviewed Michael on one of our um episodes and uh, we go into the wedding model quite a bit here it's something we like to talk about and so this is a wedding and during the wedding basically the bride uh, is whoring themselves during yes you know basically at the altar during the wedding i mean how more grotesque can you be right and that's literally what happened yeah and uh just because it it so relates. Uh, we'll probably talk more about it in a different uh, different video. But uh, um, the uh, the whole that whole idea is the problem. The whole whoring on the wedding night problem. That's the issue. It wasn't because I hear a lot of well, he gave them the law, knowing they couldn't keep it, and then they're punished for not keeping the law. It wasn't, they weren't punished for not keeping the law. They weren't punished for not being able to keep the law. They were punished for hoiling and turning and uh, rebelling against the law. Yeah. It wasn't for, they couldn't do it. 
It was they they rebelled against it. That was yeah. the problem. Yeah. And you, know, you think about adultery in a, a marriage relationship, it's rebellion. It's rebel, rebellion against this relationship that you've made this covenant with. You're, right. you're saying, I don't want this anymore. And, um, and now good. you've, now you've set up a golden calf you've set yeah. up, which is just yourself, right? Mm-hmm. When, maybe that's it. Maybe when Aaron throws the golden calf in and says, or the golden and says, this is just what came out. It's, mm-hmm. it's cause it's him. It's cause it's them, you, you know? know, reflecting what they wanted. Yeah. So it's, and it, and it's, it's, you are the idol. Uh, yeah. That's really good. And it's that concept too, um, where he, he's meeting the people where they are. And the people are are showing him, hey, this is where we are. Yeah. And he's like, whoa, we got a lot of work to do here, it turns out. Right. Uh, and and it's going to be hard lessons to learn. So so now we get to one of my favorite topics is in the curse of the bitter waters. And we find this in Numbers, Numbers 524. And if you've never looked at this, uh, this is also something. I feel like for some reason I've, we've... For sure, I've seemed to be more fixated than Jake, but I keep coming back to some of these things over and over. But oh, just good. Why just, don't you tell us how this ties in? Because yeah. straight off, you might not see how this ties into yeah the golden. Cat. So early on, uh, I remember the first time I read through this, you know, with adult eyes and coming back into Torah or coming into Torah. Um, I thought, well, how how did Moses know? Because he kills everybody. So you got to read the text to know this. But he kills all the people that were part of this golden calf debacle. And I'm like, how did they know who was guilty? Right. And it just seems like they just know. I'm like, did they take inventory? Did they take a head count? Did they write down the names? And uh, that always seems strange to me until I started putting this together. And, and I'm not the first person to ever do this. I borrowed this from other people. In Numbers 5.21, you find this ceremony of what happens if the husband is jealous. So it says in here, May Yahweh make you an example for your people to see what happens when the curse of the oath comes true. Yahweh will make your uterus drop and your stomach swell. So I'll, um, it basically says that then the priest will administer the oath and the curse by saying, May this water that can bring a curse go into your body and make your stomach swell and your uterus drop. Then the woman will say, Amen, Amen. So this is in context of the husband thinks that uh, she is cheating and he can bring these allegations to the priest. The priest is going to do some things here. She drinks it and That's if nothing is a test, and if nothing happens, everything's good, but they're except for their marriage. <laughs> and, and she's never going to let go of this. Um, pretty bold move if you're wrong, yeah. And you're gonna pay for that uh, forever, yeah. But uh, but if she is guilty, she's gonna pay, and the curse is death, right? So, um, but the you know so um, so so the curse of bitter waters continues. The priest will write these curses on a scroll. He'll wash them off in the bitter water. Then he'll have the woman drink the bitter water. They can bring a curse. This water will go into her and become bitter. The priest will take a grain offering she was holding, present it to Yahweh, and bring it to the altar. So you have these elements here in the golden calf because he makes them drink it. They like take the calf, ground it into a powder, put it in water, and say, drink up. Yeah. And 
the guilty party, I think, become obvious because I think it makes sense that some physical thing happened to them and it was obvious who did this and they knew who to execute. Because I don't think that's out of, out of, you know, out of line to think that that's what happened. I mean, it talks about, you know, your abdomen swells and your thigh rots and sure it's a, sure it's pointing to Yeshua, but it's also, you know, it's Torah. It was, it mm-hmm. is, it does, it is, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, definitely. And um, it goes to, it makes sense that if the wedding happened and the bride is cheating, that uh, that, this, that he would be the jealous husband because he says, I am a jealous L. Right. And he back practically had just told them just, just a little bit ago, uh, that he was, you shall serve no other gods because I'm a jealous God. Right. They just heard that. And there they go. So, so after, you know, after they drink this, uh, I believe they took on this curse and uh, they were guilty because they were guilty, but not everybody in the camp did it, or they would, I guess it would have started over. But, right. um, you know, thankfully it was a small group of people who participated and were guilty. So, yep. but um, I don't know. Anything else you want to say? Definitely a, a passage that's full of many interesting things. Right. Yeah, I think one of the... One of the things I always laugh when I read this part of scripture because uh, I just picture how this is happening. So Yahweh's giving Moses the tablets and he's, I'm going to go down the mountain and give these to them. And Yahweh's like, "Uh, what's that sound I hear? Just like on the Grinch, Mm -hmm. right? What's that sound I hear? And Aaron says that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he's like, "There's a, it's ha- it's party time in the camp mm-hmm. or whatever." And so they go down, and Yahweh's like, "I know what's going on there." And he's like, "Moses, you better hold me back. I'm gonna go smite them all." Mm-hmm. And Moses the whole time, "No, no, no, don't, no, it's okay." And then Moses turns around and sees what's going on. And he's like, "Yahweh, hold me back." Hold me mm-hmm. back. <laughs> I'm going to go smite them. Yes. <laughs> and Yahweh's like, no, no, Moses, don't do it. <laughs> mm-hmm. This just cracks me up to like, I just get a funny picture in my head when yeah. I read through that. So. Mm-hmm. Well, and it does help you understand why he smashes it. Because I can also remember at some point, going, man, he gets kind of crazy, doesn't he? <laughs> but it makes sense. He would be really angry. He's like, I've been. If if you not seen the mountain on fire and what's happening here, yeah. And now you're doing this. Yep. So they didn't get it, and unfortunately, like we started with, we are those people, and we have hearts that have gone astray, and we have been guilty of whoring on our uh, our husband uh, and and unfaithful. And, right. And, and then so we've done another teaching about uh, Yeshua drank the cup of bitter waters. And right. he took upon that guilt offering upon him because of our behavior. And so, you know, we don't claim to have all the answers, um, but we, we want to help point you to Scripture. And, and so uh, hopefully you can think about this particular Torah passage in the lens of husbandry and husband and wife relationship. Right. 
Yeah, if you are, if you skip over this portion, you're doing yourself a disservice. There's so much to glean from this. Yes, and I imagine as we go through it year after year, we'll find more and more. So, um, but we, uh, anything else you want to say? No, I think that that about covers our high, <laughs> our thirty thousand foot view or whatever. Yeah, they say. yeah. So, all right, Jake. Well, uh, this is Matt and Jake signing off. Thank you for stopping by Sabbath Lounge, and we look forward to uh, maybe having a few comments. And we appreciate a few that we've received recently. Yeah. And uh, we ask if you'll Google us. If you Google us, you'll find us. Yep. And please share this with someone if you think it was useful. Even and, if you didn't. Just yes, right. share, share it, it anyway. <laughs> All right. Thanks. Goodbye.